0: welcome to altus insights podcast series with ray and marlin hosted by me avi this podcast will cover monthly market updates and construction cost impacts across major markets in canada
1: so today's podcast is a little different we have a special guest star in colin doran unfortunately Abby couldn't make it today and ray's too busy playing golf to do actual real work so we've got colin so Colin's, one of Colin's areas of expertise, as well as being an EVP in our lender developer group, is around cancellations, insolvencies, and whatnot. So today we're going to touch on a little bit of a dark subject, which is basically the market, cancellations, insolvencies, project pro- project problem projects, and workouts. So maybe to start that, if you'd listen to our last podcast we did, myself and Ray did last week, and we spoke about some of the challenges we had on the market recently, uh, crazy levels of hard construction escalation, soft cost increases, and those time delays are starting to hit projects. So this is a subject that's uh, near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Maybe Colin, do you want to give a little bit of a background to yourself and the workout deals where you've got all the experience from?
0: Sure. Thanks for the intro, Marlon. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think right now there's, there's a lot of market factors converging, given a little bit of, um, I guess, un- a lot of the lenders are uncomfortable right now. With rising interest rates twinned with um, cost escalation, I would say unprecedented cost escalation over the ca- last couple of years. Um, you know, delays in projects, the impact of the pandemic on some projects, um, there's a, a bit of a concern out there that you know over the years, a lot of lenders here in Canada um, have been blessed with the fact that we've had a great market. They may only have been involved in one or two bad deals, and even if it was a bad deal, they got out and hold the project was sold, or they managed to work it out and get fully paid out. Um, there is a bit of a concern now that with the things that are impacting the market, that we could see, you know, some. You know some more workout deals and possibly ones that could have resulted in a loss for the lenders. Uh, my experience wasn't really in Canada. It was actually in Caribbean in 2009. Um, it was around the economic downturn. And really, if you think about it in the Caribbean island projects, I worked on probably projects across over 10 islands. It was really a perfect storm of issues down there. An economic downturn, cost overruns, supply chain issues, putting deposits out the door for materials overseas, hoping that they arrive, defective works. Um, And then when you get a stalled project in the Caribbean, or in Canada for that matter, um, if it's stalled for any period of time, you can end up with mould, deterioration, um, and you've got to try and put that right through a workout deal. What I had experienced it down there rather than a straight insolvency was the lenders preferred to do what was a forbearance agreement. So really like a soft receivership, not a hard stop to a project, but trying to work with the developer or the sponsor um, and see if we can get additional security, additional collateral, and a restated loan agreement, and then find a way to put the processes and controls in place to build that project out, remobilize.
1: So basically, you gained all the experience in the Caribbean. How's that going to come up here and help, or do we think we're heading in a similar direction to the Caribbean? Because obviously, the market here is probably a little bit more risk adverse than the Caribbean, a lot greater level of due diligence, or do you still see the potential for stuff to go?
0: sort of probably- I mean, I think I think that's correct. I mean, I think there is, we do have a conservative lending community in Canada. I think there's tight controls, and I think that's why we've seen less distressed projects in Canada. I would say that I've seen some very similar circumstances and have been involved in them in the projects across Canada where we have installed projects in solvent developers, mold remobilization, retendering, where, say, our role or a cost consultant role had to evolve from simply being a QS or a monitor to contract admin and project management and having to turn those around and finish a project. And we've done that on a few few projects across Canada. I think when people think about insolvencies across Canada, they think about the big ones over the years, right? There was a couple of large developers, maybe even a few large developers who had a portfolio of projects They went into insolvency. They were under default under the loan agreements and there were other allegations and receiver documents not proven in court. So those are the ones people think back to. Um, I've I've been tracking insolvencies over the years. I would say like probably about 25 to 30 real estate and construction-related insolvencies we see every every year. Um, I'd estimate about 10 of those probably are in real estate and maybe half of those... Um, are a significant size developments on some of those may have started construction. Uh, This year, we had about 15 insolvencies. Five of those are real estate developments. A few of those are significant developments. And I think the difference I'm seeing this year is those developments are particularly putting the issue for being an insolvency down to cost overruns um, and pandemic-induced delays.
1: Yeah, and I think when we do the market presentation, that's one of the things I know we both touch on a lot is that time and that entitlement, i.e. the improvements. And that seems to be what causes a lot of the issues in that development sold, it takes, you know, six months, 12 months longer than expected to get the planning approvals. Now all of a sudden the project ends up underwater because escalation's in double digits. And I think a lot of that goes down to just how long the approvals process takes, not just in Toronto, but across a number of the cities in Canada. And that actually doesn't seem to be getting better. So taking into account, it's actually got worse, not better. I take you know, it used to take 12 months, say, to try and get for SPA in Toronto. Now you're up to two, three years. Are we going to see more projects in that have issues that sold say 2019, 2020 still aren't in the ground? Is that the ones we need to start watching across Canada?
0: I think so. I mean, I think there was a couple of recent examples over the last month. Um, there was a condominium in Miss- actually both Mississauga projects, a condo a Mississauga 14 story that appears to have been hit with cost overrun supply chain issues. The majority of units are sold, you know, costs exceed, exceed revenue, and then it ends up in an insolvency position. Um, there's another one in Mississauga recently, 45 unit property, um, semis and detached homes. And that one probably, it just never made it to construction. So again, probably both sold around the same time to 2019, and that one the developer ended up selling the project on to another party. So both instances potentially the dev- the purchasers lose out. But you know, in the second instance there, the developer managed to sell the project on for a profit or the land. Um, I mean, I think I think as far as the government goes and the approvals, um, this has been a hot topic for them, right? I remember there was a couple of um, cancelled projects that caused. I guess it was when at the time to push and deal with canceled projects. Um, Through that, they ended up reviewing Tarian. They found there was nothing essentially wrong with the entity, Um, but they found that the same entity is enforcing the rules and creating the rules. So optically that wasn't great. So they created the entity, it's CRA, who now create the rules and Tarian enforce the rules. Um, Doug Ford's obviously been out, you know, talking about how he's against cancellations, you know, certainly when it's not the fault of the buyer. Um, and I think it was right that Build came out and so I agreed with being involved in that process of looking at how we can create better rules and that. But they also mentioned that any um, penalties for developers have to be balanced with the... Uh, between additional consumer protection and the understanding that cancellations sometimes just happen because projects become unprofitable, and I think to go back to your point there on um, approvals, it comes back to that, right? And I don't believe any developer purposely goes into a project want it to be cancelled and go back and ask for additional monies. Things happen. They can't execute. They get caught up in planning and approvals, and all these things contribute to a cancelled project. So I do believe that approvals process is something that really has to be looked at. That's, that's what made, has made projects so risky over the, the past several years because it takes so long to get through the approvals process.
1: Yeah, and that was in the discussion we had on affordability in the market recently. And I think part of the challenge on cancellations is the developer can't really come out and say it's the municipality's fault because they have to deal with the municipality in the future. And we all know municipalities, you know, very forgiving types of people when that sort of stuff happens. So um, I think it's a challenge we have in the market where... The stuff we're seeing is actually caused, not necessarily by the developer, but often by factors outside of their control when it comes to both approvals for SPA and obviously the building permit side of things, and things just taking so long, they have no choice. And I think that's something that gets missed a lot. Everyone assumes the developer's counselling because they're going to make more money. Um, A lot of the times, they they cancel because they're into single-digit profits, if not lower, and they just simply cannot get financing anymore. The bank will not extend money because of the, the, the size of risk, which I suppose segues nicely into that sort of the risk side of things, which obviously the lenders and developers both focus on risk. Um, how do you see the risk profile changing for both sides now, especially well, where the, interest rates have been heading recently?
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would point out there, and the, the last point we just talked to there as well, is if you look at cancellations, Most cancellations, in fact, I would say all cancellations pre-2015 were due to basically the market or the project not being viable. They didn't make enough sales. It was only after 2016 that you started seeing almost all the projects being pre-sold and being held up and cancelled because of either entitlements or cost overruns being held up in that entitlement uh, process. Um, and I think this is something you've mentioned in your presentation. No longer is it good enough to be excellent at land acquisition and sales because you can get the sales. You have to be good at everything. You have to be good at the planning and the entitlements. You have to be excellent at execution um, and close out as well, right? And um, and that's what makes it so challenging now and why the t guys have continued to be successful.
1: Yeah. And I mean – that risk side of the things, again, we, we spoke about um, how projects have been cancelled, how that flip over happened in 2015, 2016 to where we are today. Um, so, how did the lenders deal with this in terms of what's the advice to a lender if they're starting to see a project that could go distressed? What's the sort of the very basic steps, obviously, without giving away too much, but what's the basic steps this should do other than call you? <laughs>
0: I mean, I think all the questions that we've been getting back in our market presentations could be anticipated, right? They, they look around the QS's report and, you know, they, they, they the the borrower, the sponsor, they, you know, their experience and experience to execute um, where the equity is coming from. Is there enough equity in the deal to start with um, their experience internally, whether they're constructing themselves or using a third-party construction manager. And then, now that the market's turning a bit, they have a focus on those committed costs because that's there—that's seventy percent threshold or fifty percent on first advance to de-risk the budget. So I think they're they're focusing a lot more heavily on the quality of those commitments. And when I when I say the quality of the commitments, I mean what level of drawings have been have they been awarded on? Have they been awarded on issue for construction? Is it a dated quote? Is it a Unexecuted contractors, a contract like all of these items should really um, be calculated back on the development contingency or the construction contingency. Right. If you're sitting with a whole bunch of quotes, then the budget is less de-risked. Right. And there's a, certainly a risk there in today's market. Um, I think we see them focusing a lot on canceled check reviews. Um, and obviously, certification of cost deposits. The last thing a developer, sorry, a lender wants is they do end up in their distress situation and they have an over certification of costs and they have outstanding payables, right, for several months. Um, that puts the project underwater and it means it's less viable um, if they do choose to sell it. Um, I think when you run in, certainly I would. I would say when you run into a distressed, well, it's not quite a distress, but certainly a problem project, one that's been delayed. Um, the way I always explain it is um, in our project monitoring role or a QS role, it's no use just reporting bad news every month, right? Um, because the budget, the, it's over budget, it's behind schedule. Um, I really feel it's a collaborative effort with with the developer and the lender. And sometimes that takes sort of hard conversations with the developer, whether that's on an equity call, whether it's on plugging those gaps that they have inexperience on, maybe they're missing the project management side of things or they have some holes. Um, delving in more into the issues, if they can't get occupancy, what are the, what are the items that are holding? More? What are the supply chain issues that are affecting the project? Because as much as... Uh, under this QS role we monitor, usually when projects go offside, the flow information gets less rather than increases. So really it's a case of having to try and blow that open and get as much information on a project as possible so as you can understand the issues and turn the project around, as I say, rather than reporting bad news.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've spoken a lot about high-rise, and I suppose it's implied we are talking about condo but we have seen some low rise projects recently starting to have some trouble mainly around townhomes. Some of that's been in the news, not necessarily our projects. And then obviously the challenge on the purposeful rental side now is we've been talking a lot about this is cancellations of purposeful rental don't show up as a cancellation. The project just never happens. And I think part of the challenges we're starting to see now is a number of even the institutional investors are really struggling in the current cost environment to even make purposeful rental work, which probably then leads to a, a big concern around uh, condo viability as well as we move forward in that the rental guys don't even want to start today, and they've got cost escalation basically through rental increases um, until the day they stabilize. Obviously, the, uh, the liberal threat for rent control, basically the approach to how do you make sure there's zero possible rental bill, which is just asinine, but I think right now it seems to be under threat from all directions. Um, and one of the other points is, so we often talk about distress projects and council projects. You'll know in Canada we don't have that many. And that's generally because we solve the problem. And that's what I think, Colin, you were alluded to, is don't bury your head in the sand, let's get together, let's figure this thing out and let's get through to the end. There's no point just pulling the plug at day one. You've got to try and come up with a solutions-based approach versus the, the panic, let's all put in equity if someone is struggling to find that equity, there's got to be other ways of working it out.
0: That's right, and it's a, it's a long period for that happening it can be a couple of years right like we you know at the start of the pandemic that was not when we were going to see distressed projects it usually takes um, from an event like that a couple of years before things work through the system if you can think about it that problem project is sitting with the account manager if it doesn't manage to fix itself then it goes to special loans if special loans don't manage to fix it if it goes into a forbearance agreement and that doesn't work out then it can potentially go into insolvency so these these projects have been, the ones we're seeing now in insolvency have been bubbling for some time and it's taken a while um, for them to appear as an insolvency. There's there's various steps along the way where they can try and be worked out before it reaches, reaches that stage.
1: So usually Abby would say that's interesting at this point and then she has <laughs> a favourite final question which she says, what keeps you up at night? So now you have to figure out how to answer that one. She likes to drop it on me and Ray at the end.
0: Um uh, what keeps me up at night, is my projects that are in trouble. That's why we we use a traffic light system. We're constantly reviewing these projects. Best intentions, you know, some can end up in this position. But um, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, as much as we are sometimes called merchants of doom and paid to be pessimists, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, with the mature market that Toronto has and, and across Canada, and the strong lending community and developer community that these should be sort of one-off situations, maybe unsophisticated developers and special instances rather than, you know, a whole barrage of projects coming our way in and insolvency.
1: That wasn't a bad answer. So thanks for joining us today, Colin. Definitely more entertaining than Ray, unless he <laughs> has his fireplace in the background. So thanks very much for joining us. And then thanks, and that's done.